This is Control Structure, episode 95 for October 28, 2015. Big week to everybody listening. This show has notes. You can see them by going to thenexus.tv slash cs95 to see them. And with me is Andrew Bailey. Big wheat. Big wheat. That's right. <laughs> Lots of wheat this week. And I'm your other host, Stephen Orvers. Hi, Steve. Hi, Andrew. So, uh, how's it been? It feels like it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been like, what, two weeks? <laughs> if if by that you mean like six weeks, then yes. Has it been six? Well, since before I left for my European trip. I thought we did a podcast after your... your... Oh, right, because yes. technically that wasn't control structure. Yeah. Okay. It makes more sense now. So, uh, meanwhile, if you have not listened to that show... Uh, go ahead and do that. It's basically me going over, uh, well, mostly pictures uh, from there, but also things like the various serious things that happened over there once upon a time. It was a good show. Like, once upon my lifetime, some of that is, so. It was a good show. There's lots of lots of interesting pictures and things there. Yes, so. Uh, yes, so anyways, uh, so... Random thing that I've been doing lately was I decided to do something interesting with my particle board. Do you remember that, Andrew? Before I, I think I told you about that—the chip thing that you can program through Wi-Fi. Yeah, wasn't this like one of the cheap ones? Yeah, it was a cheaper one. It's, it's about thirty dollars, I think, is what I spent for. It's a very similar concept to the chip uh, thing, except for it's a little bit bigger and, and more expensive. This is the one that's all in Python. Uh. It's or was I'm not this exactly one? sure what the language was. I don't think it was a Python, but okay, it, maybe I'll think about another one. It is like a proprietary scripting language that they use, though it's not. It's not like a Raspberry Pi where you can kind of do whatever you randomly please. But yeah, so I, I thought maybe it'd be interesting to do something fun with it, and so I thought it would be fun to make like a remote control car, where maybe you could make it drive forwards and backwards on your smartphone, and it would do stuff. So I thought I needed a base for it, and so I thought it'd be fun to print something on a 3D printer, but I don't have a 3D printer, so I decided... Problem. Yes, that was a problem, and 3D printers are somewhat expensive, and I've always wanted one, but uh, not really for that much. So I got to searching online, and I found a lot of interesting sites. There's a few different ones out there you can print stuff. You can even print brass, you can have have metal printed. There's a lot of interesting places out there. All very expensive, though. And for the record, we're talking about, like, $1,000 expensive. Uh, for the printers, yeah, for the, like, the printing the brass and stuff, there's a site out there. It's, like, a couple hundred dollars to print uh, a few cubic inches. So it, it, it uh, was pricey. Anyways, but uh, searching around, I kept looking, and I found this website called Make... Uh, xyz.com and on there has uh, uh, postings where people can post to 3D printer and be like hey I print stuff for so many cubic inches or centimeters uh, I'll print things for you and so I got on there and it wasn't actually through one of the listings there was I think a person who runs the site uh, they printed my a model that I made of uh rover thing that holds motors and batteries and hopefully a chip on it uh so which I made a first prototype 
Yeah, which uh, is pretty impressive because your uh, controller board there fits right in. Yes, I got the data spec from the website of the distance between the pins, the holes and the pins. And so on, I used Google SketchUp to, the, to design the model. And so I took uh, a flat plate in SketchUp the, about the size of the controller board, and I drilled holes in it. And then I cut a hole in my model and slid the plate right into place. And then when it came printed, it came printed with holes. And I literally just dropped uh, the controller in and every pin fit exactly perfectly. Yeah, except there's like this sort of like black stripe here that actually holds the pins. Yes. That actually rest up on the, uh, uh, the actual 3D printed part. So it's only the pins that go through and not like... The controller board is not flush with it. Yes, th that's correct. And so what kind of like the concept there is I want to have like a socket that I'll put in instead of the actual controller. And so I'll put the socket in place and then I'll solder the socket uh, onto other things and say the motor and batteries and stuff. Uh, so now I can take my controller and plug it into the socket and move it from place to place. So I don't see this as being the end of life of my chip but rather just a temporary place where it might live. So, and uh, meanwhile, like, these little things that probably would hold the motors, like, they have, like, a very very interesting, how uh, should I say, threaded texture to them that makes that, if you run your fingernail over it, like that. And then also the base, like, the flat part of the base. Yeah, it has, like, a, it's this, they printed it diagonally and so it has like the stripes on it. It's interesting to see how it was put together and even like the round motor mounts, I made them too thin it turns out, but you can almost see like on the top as it printed them together how the plastic had dripped down through the top when it printed it a little bit. So I think there's some design things to learn that uh, when you're making round shapes that you actually need a little more thickness there. Yeah. Uh, but it was it's a great learning experience to see what came out as having printed it. And and you can sort of see how it's like pretty thin and you can even like see some very fine spacing if you hold it up to a yes. light. So, yep. yeah, pretty cool. So, yep, so going to use this prototype as much as I can, uh, maybe try to even modify the motor mounts to actually make them fit my motors and perhaps uh, do a prototype demonstration to proof of concept and uh, hopefully uh, come up with improvements and design it again and perhaps print it again someday. Uh, yep. Yep. So maybe this will cure me of my 3D printing disease for a while. And <laughs> I won't need to buy a 3D printer. So, um, meanwhile, uh, something fun that I uh, found uh, was like a little quiz uh, testing your knowledge of like how fast a computer actually is. And it gives, like, little snippets of source code. Like, these are, like, little micro-benchmarks that, you know, you typically see. And, like, you're pretty much supposed to guess, like, what power of 10, like, or, like, the nearest power of 10 or something, that, uh, you know, like, how fast these things would run. So, you know, granted, some, some of these are in C, but most of them are in Python. So, like, you'll have to, you know... It's kind of surprising, actually, like what some of these are. Or do you have to click the things to guess 
Yeah, click okay. the numbers there. I was looking for the answers, and so I was like, okay, so the first one, we're going to just do one quick here. So it says iterations in one second. So this is for uh, C. Yeah. And it looks like I see a main loop, and I see it has a number, and I see a for loop, and it's just saying plus plus and uh, iterating through and then doing that. Uh, I don't know how many times it's doing it. Where's I? I number, number, number would be the limit, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't see what number came from. Where did number even it's, come from? It, it's come from the command line. Uh-huh, okay. So anyway, so it's iterations in one second. So if we open it up, it's going to be pretty fast. Yeah, especially in C. C. Should we jump right up to the, what would it be? Thousand, million, billion? Should we go there, billion? I'm not sure. We do you uh, 100 million? I'll go for that and say it's probably not the highest one. Let's try it. Hey, hey, look at that. This is exact answer is 550 million. Yep. Should we do another one? Yep. Okay, so this one's in Python. Same thing. Yep. So Python's pretty fast, uh, but Python's also a scripting language. I'm going to drop down at least one level. I think a million might be too low. I'm going to go for 10 million and find out what happens. And again, yep. it's right. So the answer is 68 million. Yeah, so it sort of really tests your, uh, you know, like, big O type of thinking. So yeah, that, that's, that's really neat. And there's, like, 18 questions, so we didn't really spoil much. Blackberry? Blackberry? Blackberry! So, um, because no one else will do these kinds of things, I guess it kind of falls to us, uh, because the Apple show certainly is not going to do anything like this. So, Blackberry says if the BB-10, which is their very first Android-based phone, if that does not sell sufficiently, they might stop making phones altogether. That's interesting. Blackberry has traditionally been for years and years and years... You see in the computer magazines, the guy has his BlackBerry. And, and was it President Obama? Wasn't he famous for carrying Black, yeah. BlackBerry too for a while? Because um, so, I remember at my uh, first company that I worked at over here that uh, several people had company-given BlackBerries. Uh, do you know if that's the case at yours? I don't think they issue phones at my company that I know of, so... Okay. So now one question that comes to my mind. As far as I know from my hearsay, I've only ever heard anything about BlackBerry other than making the BlackBerry phones. So does what what other products do they make if they aren't making the phones? Um, they The reason, aside from like being one of the fir very first smartphones that were actually usable, uh, is that they had a uh, software suite that is like very secure, very encrypted and stuff that would uh, facilitate corporate communications. So that's like pretty much their other big... Uh, so, so are they still making that one and it's just that they're going to ditch their Android one? Is that the, the concept well, there? Uh, well, before that, before 
well, this, they, they had their own proprietary BlackBerry operating system. So that yes. worked along with, like, their other ecosystem, which, you know, by now I'm guessing has been vastly expanded. You know, like, it works on all sorts of platforms now, like the Messenger type thing and the secure communications. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, I'm guessing that would be, like, what they would kind of specialize in if they're not actually doing har- phone hardware. Okay. So, uh, let's see. Going on here, the DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, is one of the worst pieces of legislation ever. You would think that the EPA would be all for people trying they trying whatever they can to expose, say, a manufacturer trying to a car manufacturer trying to get around emission standards, right? No, they pretty much remain pro DRM, uh, and. Uh, let's see, this is, you know, essentially, uh, specifically, you know, looking at the Volkswagen scandal over the past month or two. Uh, so apparently the EPA is more concerned with some people trying to use software to blow through environmental regulations rather than a demonstrated case of a manufacturer using software to blow through environmental regulations. Uh, you need to be careful of what you wish for. So, like a whole bunch of you know, like very pro-software freedom advocates and organizations uh, are essentially campaigning uh, for, you know, like the right to be able to look at, you know, the software embedded in cars. Well, uh, as within the last 12 hours of recording, uh, we got what we wished for. The Librarian of Congress has granted Class 21 as exempt from the DMCA, uh, the Class 21 being vehicle software. So not only does this cover cars and trucks, but also tractors, which which I'm not sure if I actually included the article, but like John Deere was like kind of getting mad at farmers being able to repair their own tractors because of the software on board. So so instead of like, you know, farmers being able to like fix their own equipment, they have to wait for like a company person to come by in like a few days to, you know, fix things. Well, uh, apparently, harvest time will not wait a few days. <laughs> so, so, so they actually had farmers hacking the software and fixing it? Well, at least repairing their uh, equipment illegally, <laughs> supposedly. That's uh, funny. According to some people, that is. Um, so, yeah, like I just, you know, browsed Ars Technica this afternoon, and I'm like, oh, so they we finally got this. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, another article here about uh, complex car software becoming the weak spot under the hood. I believe that you were kind of interested in this. Yeah, it was uh, talking about how the the software is so massive and there's really no way that the government can regulate that and inspect that. The closest uh, option they offered was how the uh, airline industry works and how they have an inspector come in and basically uh, at any time you can look at the code and demand them to explain why this code is safe and why it should be written this way and if he chooses just pull it and they can't use it in the airplane. Uh, the other solution that was offered there was to actually open source software and then let anyone read the software which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. some merit to it. 
I, I see where they're coming from, though, however, it is it's proprietary stuff. And so the car manufacturer doesn't want to, you know, Chrysler doesn't want to tell Ford how they did things. And so I think that aspect of it, too, warrants something. The only random thought that I had was if you look at the phone industry and how uh, we were just talking about Blackberries and how they kind of were, you know, standard. And it was obviously proprietary. There's operating system. Then Android came along, and everyone used Android as a base. But then everyone built something off of that base. So that might be maybe someday something if, say, Google wrote a operating system for cars, and then people wrote apps for your cars, and manufacturers could have apps or something. That might be a way to have sections of proprietary software that could be uh, monitored more closely, but maybe your core could be more open. I don't know. It's just a random, random idea I had. Yeah, I believe that there is actually a Android for cars. I forget what it exactly it's called, but yes, it does exist. That, that's kind of neat, and and I think the open concept is good, and maybe even an open car someday, like as in a car made for hacking, could be also really neat. Not sure if it could take off, though. See Fringe for that conversation. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, speaking about laws and legal stuff again, uh, the European Union was voting on a law that dealt with net neutrality. Uh, There were some exceptions, though, like uh, zero-rated apps, where, uh, how should I say this, like, you have a data cap on your cell phone, Uh but the, you know, like, if you, say, watch YouTube, and YouTube had struck a deal with, you know, whatever carrier you had, like, everything you watched on YouTube would not count against your data cap. So so your cell phone has a data cap on it, but through the deal, if you watch YouTube, your data cap doesn't apply? Yeah. Okay, so, so they're allowing that scenario in this? I believe that's what they're doing. Okay. That's, like, not a specific one. That's an example, by okay. the way. Um, and I'm not sure if this was in there or if it was an amendment, but also, like, some very critical services, like... Uh, VoIP and like maybe some medical like things would like be given higher priority. Uh, like I'm not exactly sure if that passed, but apparently this law passed, but without the amendments. I see. Okay. So it's kind of weird to think that you know U.S. has better protections uh, for net neutrality than Europe does, because you know like apparently some of the press likes to think that Europe is this you know, utopia of, like, internet connectivity. Because, like, over there, uh, like, the uh, like the phone lines and the cable lines, uh, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Like, there's some aspect of, of common carrier. But, like, other companies can come in and offer their service over another company's lines. So, like, an example of that would be, like, it would never happen, but, say, Time Warner could offer service over Comcast's network. You know, so, like, over in Europe, like, instead of having the choice between, like, two, maybe three providers, uh, you have, like, 20 or 30. So that would definitely open up the market to have that much extra choice. So even even at that, you know, like, net neutrality wouldn't be that big of an issue just because competition would essentially, you know, take care of that. That's true. So, uh, another news, Western Digital has, uh, buys SanDisk for 19 Instagrams. 
I'm pretty sure that we haven't really mentioned that word uh, in a while, but... I actually forget the equation. Is it like a million dollars? A billion it's dollars. It's a billion dollars. So uh, that's $19 billion. Um, so, you know, this is sort of a odd uh, mix-up, but, you know, you know, Western Digital, you know, makes hard drives mostly, mm-hmm. and SanDisk does, you know, like flash memory. So, you know, essentially you're, you have like sort of like a hybrid kind of thing where, you know, you know, the old technology hard drives is steadily giving way to, you know, solid state drives these days. That makes sense. That might be what Western Digital's mindset is, is going to the flash memory. I think even SanDisk makes uh, solid state drives, I believe. I've seen a few here and there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure... Like, I don't think they're that popular because, like, you know, the solid state drive market is mostly Samsung, uh, OCZ, uh, let's see, Micron, like, Crucial. I feel like there's one more. No, I think you, it's the, the, uh, the Samsung one is the one I've been seeing on Slick Deals a lot lately. That yeah, was like very the popular. 850. Yeah, 850, eight, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. 850, 840. Um, and like maybe a few others, but you know, like SanDisk isn't really up there, yep. at least in the performance or enthusiast categories. Um, so, does Western Digital have any solid state drives right now that you can think of offhand? I think if they have any, they're like contracted out. Okay. You know, it's like, you know, they pretty much put their brand name on it or something. So this is probably bringing them the technology and the people that they need to start their uh, solid state business going then probably. Yeah, like make it take off. So, and, you know, granted, you know, you have a hard drive that, you know, has lots of storage on it, but isn't necessarily that fast. And then you have, you know, a solid state drive that's, you know, like kind of expensive, but also very fast and surprisingly, you know, sufficient capacity these days. Yes, it is getting better and better. So, like, for instance, I have a one terabyte uh, crucial drive in my laptop, you know, that I just bought. And, you know, that works amazingly well. So, like, I was able to even put, like, a lot of video on it when I went over to Germany. So, um, let's see, then, another thing about that. You know, so, basically, a high-performance hard drive is kind of an oxymoron these days. Because if you if you want you know high disk performance, you get a solid state drive. You don't even bother with a hard drive. It's true. So uh, another, uh, let's go on to another uh, buyout. Uh, Log me in, you know, purveyor of uh, how should I say like uh, VNC type things. Yes, uh, has bought LastPass. So uh, LastPass is. It basically makes a really fancy password manager program. So is LastPass an online service or is it a it has offline? From, from what I gather, it is both. Okay. Like they have, you know, like their basic program does, you know, offline stuff and whatnot. But I believe like their online service, you know, does cloud features. I've heard of them before. We may have even mentioned them in a podcast recently. Maybe. I'm not positive about that. So I believe this is what... Uh, other members of this podcasting network use so i've used the key pass a lot that seems like a good one yeah keep pass that's yeah. what i also use uh officially endorsed by uh control structure yes officially <laughs> endorsed by control structure um so 
uh, as HTML5, you know, pretty much expands and takes over the world, uh, there's a, a neat feature that uh, is coming along uh, called sub-resource integrity. So what this does is essentially adds an attribute to your script tags, and I think also maybe your image tags, that pretty much gives you an SHA hash uh, onto it. So, like, you can host your, uh, you know, your HTML page and include a script tag, uh, you know, to, like, a CDN for your JavaScript and also have a SHA256 hash attached to it in order to make sure that it is what you intend it to be. So, like, if someone, say, compromises your CDN, all of your users are not hosed. So, for my ignorance, the CDN stands for... Content Distribution Network. Okay, so that would be an offsite. So I guess I'm just trying to think of an example. Uh, Cloudflare. Cloud. Okay. Uh, I believe Akamai does a lot of CDN stuff. So like, if you uh, like, uh, I'm trying so, to, so, trying to think of like uh, SourceForge, like mirrors. So, so this is assuming that you're like, say, Cloudflare running with that is hosting your caching your JavaScript file or something, so you can hash it with this and say that when your browser reads it and just double-check that the hash of the one from Cloudflare matches the hash that it's supposed to be? Yep. Okay. So, and, you know, CDNs are sort of like uh, mirrors, like on SourceForge. Yes. So, you know, it, I, you know, I was, I've been thinking about this over the last couple of months that, you know, you don't really encounter mirrors on the internet that much anymore, pretty much because they have been subsumed by CDNs. So... Uh, a little while ago, uh, we had talked about uh, Windows getting open SSH, and uh, apparently nothing, uh, apparently Windows 10 launched without it, and there's a good reason why for it, because they were still, you know, trying to plan it out and figure out, you know, how exactly we're going to go about this, and they finally have a report, essentially a roadmap of, uh, you know, like when they're going to be releasing this. So uh, apparently they are taking the no machine uh, port, uh, and what they've been doing for a while, they have been uh, upgrading it from running on OpenSSH 5.9 uh, to 7.1, which I believe is maybe the most recent version. Um, so they're going to be doing like another uh, three or four things, and then finally getting it up to, you know, like, release level quality uh hopefully by springtime so yeah so again with the uh like the privacy debate and uh whatnot uh it was uh maybe a few weeks ago that the u.s uh, europe safe harbor rule collapsed and uh, what this is is essentially uh deals with uh international uh companies uh, who operate in both the U.S. and Europe. And this, pretty much Europe said, you know, due to the fact that the NSA has their fingers in everything, you know, like, you do not offer s sufficiently equivalent uh, privacy protections, uh, you know, between, you know, like, two continents. So, uh, you know, this is a big problem for companies like Apple, Google, and Microsoft, uh, to which Microsoft, you know, uh, someone there pretty much wrote this really long blog post that, you know, says, you know, whenever, you know, data moves around, 
it has to have the same privacy protections. Otherwise, you know, things can get out of hand. Uh, and the thing of it is, you know, it also points out that users do not move their data around. Usually it's either the company or sometimes governments move data around. It's not, it's out of, out of the control of the user. And especially when it's like that, something needs to be done. You know, agreed? Yep. Yeah. It, once it's kind of out of your hands, if they're moving it, then it's, yeah. You know, it, you know, iterates a few points here and, uh, you know, pretty much ends up saying that, you know, this is a privacy version, uh, of a Rubik's cube. So it's like all mixed up and you have to figure it out and get it all together. So, and then, uh, again with, uh, you know, how should I say the government's, uh, crusade for backdoors and encryption, uh, who needs those when you can just hack the people you want to uh, spy on, pretty much, or surveil? It turns out the FBI seems to actually be pretty involved in hacking and have actually in the past asked for a warrant to hack someone, even though they were denied, I guess. But uh, it seems that they hasn't entirely stopped them in hacking and that uh, it's well documented that they're doing it. Uh, the one example... Uh, the watering hole that you're looking at, the Andrew, I was saying about the uh, uh, someone was doing threats. Uh, I think it was to a school, and so they figured out who it was, and they redirected. They sent him a, a message in his MySpace account, and they sent him to a phishing site, and then it downloaded his mar- malware on his computer from the phishing site. So, which is a pretty clever attack. You know, this is the government, but they're also acting as the bad guy. So. Yes, it's. It was nice the time they asked for permission, and if it was legit, I mean, I think they they didn't they denied it on some technicality is why they denied it, uh, but uh, I it, it's nice that they at least did ask, and it would have been nicer if they would ask more in the future, Indeed. since it kind of is an invasion of privacy, and we actually have someone creeping on us. Uh, that we do. So uh, hi Ryan, big week. So, uh, anyways, uh, well, let's uh, sort of move, moving on here about, you know, spying and hacking and whatnot. Uh, well, or how about, how about, you know, just grab uh, company customer information by declaring a state of cybersecurity emergency anyway, uh, because the, uh, what is it, the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act has passed. Uh, so... This is a law that pretty much forces information sharing uh, between companies and the government that uh, allows all sorts of information to be passed around, including uh, customer information. So I noticed it mentioned in it mentions a cyber attack as being one of the criteria for when it could take stuff. And so that means that you could stage an attack, say, oh, you've been cyber attacked. We're going to have to have all your passwords. Yeah, pretty much. So, and uh, Snowden has said that this is a uh, pretty much a surveillance bill. So this very much smells like Section Two Fifteen of the Patriot Act. You know, you know, it doesn't really need to be an emergency that you or I would think of it, of it as an emergency. We can just contrive one and just have it go on eternally instead. Exactly. And so uh, another article from Morris Technical. Technica. It's uh, saying that the Diffie-Hellman uh, 124-bit 
encryption apparently is not secure. Uh, they were saying in there that for a, I think, I believe it was $11 million that uh, you could find some primary uh, num- some prime numbers that would allow uh, to break that encryption rather easily. And so they're saying like most of the VPN connections which use that encryption, uh, that like... Like pretty much all of them yeah, use like it? all of them, that this could be used to break that. And they're saying that it seems like the NSA has been documented for doing this type of thing uh, of spying on the VPN connections unexplainably. And so they're thinking that probably this is how they've been doing it. So they're saying that you probably shouldn't be using the 1024-bit Diffie Hellman. Yeah, um, this has been sort of a uh, push in the past, oh, I don't know, year or two to get all of the HTTPS certificates off of uh, 1K Diffie-Hellman and onto 2K Diffie-Hellman. Uh, so this should be this should be pretty easy given the fact that you know certificates expire, you know, after a while. So the only problem is. Uh, at least on the surface, is like all of these uh, root uh, uh, CAs. Like some of them, you know, still have, you know, 1K primes and uh, even use uh, SHA-1 hashing on them, uh, which uh, like for like your actual server certificate, like browsers will start freaking out like next year uh, with uh, SHA-1 signed certificates. here to some uh, feedback from our listeners. So uh, Ian says, I tried Google Translate's live translate feature in Germany. It did not work well. We ended up just typing what everything we wanted to say. Uh, so my experience with that is my brother did most of the talking. Uh, I usually tried to ask Sprechen see English. Uh, so my brother pretty much took over if that failed. Uh, pretty much all the restaurant menus were bilingual, so I survived. So, That's good. Yeah. So you didn't try the app at all? Oh, right, because you unplugged your data anyways, so yeah. you didn't have that. Yeah, but, uh, um, you know, like, even even when I you know, sort of needed it, like, my brother had a data plan, so... Okay. Like, that's pretty much how we got around, is, like, you know, looking it up on Google Maps, and then he would generally, like, hand the phone to me because he has no sense of direction. Ha <laughs> ha! Okay. So, yeah, you know, all those hours of, you know, playing first-person shooters really paid off. Because if you, you know, want to try a different tactic, you need to know where you are in the layout of the land. <laughs> which comes in handy when you're looking at a map in, and you're in a foreign city. It's just like a mini-map. Yep. So, Ryan responds, uh, or rather feeds back, At the time I am listening to this, have fun on your trip. Thank you. Matt has shown me many Russian driving videos. The most absurd was a bunch of costumed characters that that jumped out of a truck and beat a guy up. Uh, Ryan adds, Keys are so dangerous these days. I'm surprised that you can even bring keys on a plane. The camera thing is very true of normal keys. 
what if you had a 3D-ish key, uh, either one with depth or some unseen internal structure? Uh, besides sucking to make or use it, it might help the problem a little bit. Um, as for me, I left my own keys at my parents' house, so they did not go onto a plane. So, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, have a purpose for keys when, like, all your stuff is on another continent. I, I agree. The, the worst thing that can happen there is you lose your keys in Germany and never see them again. And, come to think of it, that's probably the only thing that would happen to them. Exactly. And that's the... Whose law is that? There's anything bad... Murphy's that can happen. law. Murphy's law. If there's anything bad that can happen, it will happen. Uh, Ryan says, I can't believe you still use Matt's laugh. That's still amazing. Hi. I know you like gadgets. I like them, too. Uh, as for myself, I'm more of a gadget skeptic, actually. Uh, each one of you have bought tablets... Notice the plural. I've not won. Well, I actually don't have any either. So, Orion says, I don't know much about Cryo because Qualcomm doesn't want to promise and fail to deliver again. That's reasonable. We can guess that it's ARM V8 and probably Big Little-ish. If you're on Verizon prepaid with the Moto E, I would be interested if you could put in a new ROM. Well, since I don't have any compunction against it, I tried to jailbreak it if I felt like it. I bought the thing after all. Well, turns out that since it's a Verizon branded Moto E, uh, no one's been able to do that, and I'm kind of pissed that it's never going to get Marshmallow. So, a word of encouragement, though my LG uh, tribute had not been last year around in December, January uh, this year, had not been rootable, but then uh, fairly recently, I found it. It was, and I rooted it, and it's amazing because it didn't have enough internal storage. But there's an app that lets you link things to the SD card, and so now it suddenly has like 32 gigabytes of storage for apps. Um, speaking of that, uh, the Moto E does have a micro SD slot, which comes in pretty handy because its internal storage is only eight gigs. Yep. So when I bought the phone, I also bought a 32 gig card which I believe is the maximum supported. You may get away with a bigger card, because I have a 64 gig in mine, and it only supports a 32 anyways, but it still works. Of course, I partitioned it in two 32 gigabyte partitions. Well, that's a way around it, but, you know, like, I want to keep it simple, so... Besides, I don't even think I have 8 gigs of stuff on my phone anyway, so... Okay. Uh, nobody wants two random, nameless license holders to play back a video... I will submit feedback. See, here it is. Well, Google thought it was pretty suspicious that you would listen to my show and feedback, so all of this was in my spam folder. I stand by its judgment. Uh, Ryan says it would be cool if you hit a flash drive somewhere in the forest while you're in Germany. What are you talking about, Ryan? It's like a time capsule. Someday your kids will come back and be like, Look, Daddy! <laughs> So, uh, Ryan also, again, feeds back from TED5, which is the uh, uh, the Berlin Photo Podcast. Uh, go listen to it now if you have not already. Uh, Ryan says, I like the story about losing your mom at the baggage claim. Uh, Airbnb, that's pretty cool. My mom wants to try it someday. I couldn't even figure out the washing machine if that was in English. And I think I might have mentioned this, but... 
you know, if Apple got into like the washing machine business, like they would probably make another hundred Instagrams like immediately. <laughs> of course, you would probably have to replace it every year or so. Probably and upgrade <laughs> to the newer ones faster. Yeah, like, but your washing machine now has apps. <laughs> it's all white too, just like all the other washing machines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ryan says the curry hot dog sounds good to me. Plus one for the Euro Shop. Uh, good, good show and great pictures. I'm surprised that there is that much smoking. Like seriously, there is. Uh, uh, Ryan says my family and I went to a historical submarine site and took a tour of it. They told us no pictures because people were selling them on eBay. This was before 2007, so I wonder how they handle that now. I like how basic human rights aren't where you are. What's a yins? Well, yins is the second person plural pronoun. It's used exactly like y'all, but without the southern connotations, as those are replaced by Pittsburgh ones. Uh, See Wikipedia Western Pennsylvania English... And also YouTube slash Pittsburgh Dad. You watch some of those? I did not watch the Pittsburgh Dad, but the the Western Pennsylvania English on Wikipedia sounds kind of interesting. Uh, Ryan says Chris is like Matt. It's amazing. Well, yes, except Chris Chris is intellectualist. <laughs> it's a very strange place to have dinner. Uh, well, Grandma's house is a perfectly reasonable place to have dinner. You don't eat at your Grandma's house? Uh, Ryan says, that's kind of creepy, hearing about the worker camp and the other rooms. Uh, yes, and it really changes your perspective on things. The people there were disagreed. Uh, the people who were there were there because they disagreed with the ruling regime or because uh, things the de- detainees couldn't change. Uh, with this realization, I realized that Donald Trump must never be president. It's like he's taken two things at random from 20th century German history and thought that they were great ideas. He wants to throw people out of the country who are not like himself, just like the Nazis did with the Jews and others, and wants Mexico to build a wall around Mexico to keep the Mexicans inside Mexico, just like East Germany built a wall around East Germany to keep the East Germans in East, inside East Germany. So Ryan then says, You kept saying, OK, Google, and I was sure that my phone was uh, going to activate as well. Luckily, I left my phone in the other room while I was editing Ian's show in the studio. Uh, I like the beam me up Easter egg. Was this on your Moto E? And yes, it was. And that is hilarious. I totally forgot that you were susceptible to (laughs) OK, Google attacks, Um, which, uh, you know, I also... uh, uh, entertain myself with the fringe from the last ted episode uh which was not the nerdcon one the youtube red one so yeah i really need to catch up on my nexus.tv podcast um so and i tried to do the beam me up thing again but i never got it to work right which i realized that it was beam me up scotty and not just beam me up aha And yes, it was on my Moto E. Sorry that it wasn't turned up sufficiently at first, but it seemed like the magical compressor did at first. Uh, At least did did its work, rather. So uh, thank you to all of you who are listening. Uh, And uh, let's see. Uh, Don't forget to submit your feedback on the Nexus.tv. 
And don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day, so back up all your stuff. And hi, Mom. How you doing? Well, oh, and uh, what is the uh, operating system of the Fortnite? It is Ubuntu. Because you seem to have a different operating system each time you come over. I, I do sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, anything happening with you? Uh, so, the whole 3D, 3D printing thing, uh, starting a new sprint tomorrow, deer hunting last week, shot at a deer, and evidently didn't kill him. But Or even hit? I did think I hit him. But I tracked him, could not find blood, so he's probably going to make it. We're going to go with that one, and so maybe I'll shoot it in next deer season. All right, so as for me, uh, you know, going back to work, doing work-like things. Um, So the next podcast episode will probably be on or around November 10th, which will be a very big day because... Two of the three big games that I really want this year are coming out on that day. Yes, two of them on the same day. Uh, uh, namely, uh, Fallout 4 and StarCraft 2 Legacy of the Void. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a crowded, busy time after that. <laughs> so, uh, thank goodness that uh, it was recently said that you will be able to preload Fallout 4. Um, so but does it come and it's just locked until that date? Uh, pretty much. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, I think it was with Skyrim. No, it wasn't in Skyrim. I actually have that on disc. It was some other game that uh, came out and then unlocked, you know, uh, that same that same day. But, I mean, Fallout 4 is supposed to be, I'm not sure, like maybe 35 gigabytes or so. So can you move your calendar ahead and make it unlock? Early? No. No, because there are things called Steam servers that go no. <laughs> see. Um, so, you know, it's not that big of a deal because, like, I can download 35 gigabytes, I don't know, within six hours, maybe? That's not or too bad. 35 gigabytes, um, make that probably more like an hour and a half. Because, like, with 7 megs per second, I can do a gigabyte in about 3 minutes. That's that's pretty nice speed. Yes. Yeah, Might so. be back when I worked in, uh, for a school district and all the teachers and kids were away in the summertime and the internet flew. So, uh, but as for StarCraft, what I am doing is I'm playing through it all the way from the beginning. Yes, from the very original StarCraft. So, uh, I believe I'm on the last mission where I'm supposed to kill the Overmind in the original. So then after that, play through Brood War, then uh, Wings of Liberty, and then play through Hots. And then I should be ready to go right into Legacy of the Void. Uh, So, uh, let's see, then... Yep, then I do plan on playing the StarCraft 2 first, because Steam has something called a refund policy that I can wait two weeks for. So... How does the refund policy work? So if you uh, buy a game and have it for two weeks and you've played it for less than two hours, and if you want a refund, you can just have it. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Have I, I guess I haven't really told you much about that. Nope. That was the first time I ever heard about that. All right. Well, I guess, I guess I will show you some videos about that. So 
Uh, until next time, have a good one. You too.